Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for October 17th, 2012. Today's topic is Transition Customer Service Teams for Success with Generation Y. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. And here's how you do it. You can email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Or if you're listening on the phone or close to one, call into this number and make sure you press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question and I'll get you in. The number is 347 857 3117. One more time, 347-857-3117. Give us a call and join the show. The first person to ask a live question on the phone will receive a $1,500 benchmarking survey from Benchmark Portal. I do want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at BenchmarkPortal.com any time of the day. So, let's go ahead and get this show on the way. And I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Uh, today's topic on transitioning customer service teams for success with Generation Y is it's really a hot topic with a lot of the call center managers that I talk to uh, around uh, North America, and I think that uh, it's going to be a very interesting session today to bring out some of the pearls that we all need in order to uh, work the best way possible with this group of people. And we brought you an expert on the topic, Kevin Childs, who's senior partner with OneSource Consulting and Acting Contact Center Practice Leader with the Manpower Group. Kevin uh, co-authored the book, Interpreting the Voice of the Customer, with uh, Dr. John Anton of Purdue University, my old research partner, now retired. And uh, Kevin has career experience built on human capital staffing and on-demand software as a service and workforce optimization industries. He's held numerous executive leadership positions that have had an influence on the contact center, customer service, and help desk industry. So it's my pleasure to welcome Kevin Childs. Thanks so much, Bruce. Glad to be with you today. Okay, great. Well, Kevin, among other things, you wrote a white paper on Generation Y, and that was uh, very interesting. How is it that you found yourself diving into the nuances of the various generations that work in uh, call centers? Well, Bruce, uh, you and I have known each other for quite a while, but and I'm going to start dating myself. I've, I've been in the industry 20-plus years, and most of my experience in the early stages was centered around human capital. The, the human aspects of, of contact centers. And we've seen a, a dramatic shift over the past really 10 years to where a lot of us professionals in this space are looking at um, at four different generations sitting within these contact centers. And about 68% of them are Gen Y. So as, as leadership is sitting out there trying to identify how to, how to exceed customer expectations while meeting the expectations of our CFOs, Gen Y continues to be a, an, a growing uh, element that we've got to address as, as leaders in this space. So it's, it's, it's been a journey for me. Uh, Gen Y just happens to be something that we're, we're uh, reacting to more than proactively building strategy around. 
Okay, well, well, tell us a little bit about Gen Y, its characteristics, and, uh, you know, what you can, you know, learn from and about and for them. Well, you know, the, that particular generation, depending on the dates, you're going to find that their age within a contact center is anywhere from 20 years of age to about 35. The, the average age within a contact center is 22 from what our research and our experience has, has told us. Uh, certainly, our, our objective as contact center leaders is to meet customer experience and um, uh, customer satisfaction objectives. And a lot of times, this particular generation, it is their first job, uh, in a contact center anyways, out of college. In, in many cases, they're still in college. But this particular generation expects to have many jobs throughout their career. Uh, they do have high value on, on attention and interaction with bosses. They, they look for mentors within the environment. In fact, where they might suggest by the age of 26, they think they may have as many as seven jobs, uh, we as professionals can really curb that attrition and turnover that is significantly higher with this particular generation versus others if we can build mentorships rather than uh, boss relations with them. Uh, they do value transferable skills. Uh, they're very adept to using devices, whether it be a, uh, uh, an Apple or a Samsung or a Droid. Their communication devices have many applications built within them. And they, they feel very comfortable learning lots of new and unique skills centered around applications. Uh, they, given the fact that they do use those devices, they communicate very comfortably across multiple channels. So whether it be a, a texting, SMS, chat, or voice within a contact center environment, it is something that they, they really thrive on. One, okay, well... One, one reality, one last thing. One reality is that they don't necessarily adopt traditional workforce norms as a lot of their, their counterparts in the past have. They'll, they'll challenge the status quo. Okay. So, in fact, the, the ones that you mentioned uh, uh, first, like uh, mentorship relationships, which uh, really uh, imply that they're willing to communicate, they want to talk, they want interaction – uh, the value of transferable skills, feeling comfortable learning a lot of new things and being able to um, be effective across multiple channels. So these are people who presumably are very comfortable multitasking, uh, talking on the phone while filling in a customer record. Uh, they would be comfortable moving from uh, a phone state to an email state or to a uh, chat state. Would that be a true characterization absolutely yep okay and so in a, fact a lot our, of our, go ahead Bruce no no I, I was going to say so a lot of good things uh, from a managerial point of view to be said about the uh, skills and, and aptitudes of, of this generation uh, absolutely the interesting thing is about 79 I, let, me, let me give you a, a real step um, which is validated is 79% of the agents within a contact center in North America today fall within this group. So mm. they are the majority of, of our workforce, 
and we have the ability of stretching them, stretching them into a positive outcome for the organization. Okay. So there are a lot of positive things here. There, there are a uh, majority of the uh, the workforce, uh, a lot of positive attributes. But you were just mentioning that they don't look, they they don't uh, take to traditional structures and maybe traditional discipline the same way. Would that be true? Can you explore that for a little bit for us? Well, the uh, this particular group, uh, this since. The, the jobless rate has been tracked since 1948. The age population is 16 to 24. So let's look at the numbers here for a minute. The average age of a Gen Y within a contact center is 22. And the jobless uh, age between 16 and 24 is at 53%. And that's the highest it's been since uh BLS was tracking that in 1948. So we have this massive uh, group of individuals that are not working. Then we have a group of individuals that are working, but they clearly have said, hey, by the time I turn 26, I'll probably have seven jobs. And 77% of them have indicated that they believe, those that are working, believe that they would make a a job change within the next uh, two years. So if you take all those different numbers and you add them up, we as an we as an industry have to recognize that we've got to make a few tweaks and changes to to ensure that they stay with us. Now, if you if you look at it again, it's typically their first job out if they're out of college or a corporate job. And another interesting element for us to consider is. This workforce traditionally will communicate with their parents one and a half times a day. Mm, wow. Wow. Uh, actually, I have a, uh, a daughter in this uh, category who's uh, 22, and it's more like one time a week. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure there's there's uh, some range there. Why do you think that they uh, communicate with parents so often, and, and what might that Teach us in terms of uh, how we need to manage them. Well, if you if you look at this particular generation and what they've what they've grown up on, they've grown up with lots of different devices. They've they've grown up with a lot of technology, and they interact extremely well with with technology. And when you bring that that um, generation into the workplace, and you look at the fact that such a large percent of them are sitting in their first corporate job within our contact centers. Uh, they reach out to their parents if they need validation, if they need mentorship. So we, we have the ability as, as employers and as leaders within, within our contact center environment of having that, uh, providing a bridge to them from their old life to this professional life. Uh, mm-hmm. So if your daughter's calling you once a week, uh, you have transitioned her very well into the real world. Um, mm-hmm. But by by and large, those Gen Ys will communicate with their parents one and a half times a day until they find strict, uh, a high level of confidence in the environment that they're in today. Interesting. Okay, very good. Well, thank you for that compliment as a parent. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I was thinking in terms of talking, uh, texting is a bit of a different matter. That happens more often. Uh, is, is that what you have found as well in terms of the uh, communication with parents and friends? 
the, the talking will have um, good and bad with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they certainly will feel more comfortable in many cases texting and, text and chatting email mm-hmm. than, than they will from a verbal perspective. So there, right. there's a little bit of a shift that we as, we as leaders need to recognize with this particular group and to, mm-hmm. to sort of fine-tune their ability to communicate more effectively uh, in, in our world. There's, okay. Uh, well, go ahead. I was going to say, if, if we go back a few years to Edward Deming, Deming he, he mentioned a bad system will beat a good person every time. And mm-hmm. uh, you and I both know a, a Chris Bijou leader in a, an Oracle's sales environment in the past. He mentioned sort of complimenting Edward Deming. He, he basically says systems only drive performance if people drive those performance systems as part of their daily routine. And those mm-hmm. systems are what we're finding organizations are having to deploy to support the Gen Y. And the system itself isn't necessarily going out and spending another million dollars on the next big whizzing thing as much as it's creating structure for the employee to function in that environment. Mm-hmm. We've built on about mm-hmm. five, five primary uh, pillars. Um, if, if you'd like, I can just walk into those. Please do. The first one, I'll just walk you around the system really quickly, but it's, the first one is companies are finding that they need to communicate differently with this Gen Y. In the past, companies would sort of give proper directive and say, go do X, Y, and Z to the previous generations, and unquestionably, they'd go do it. The Gen Ys, a lot of times, if given the opportunity, will provide you very valuable feedback. Now, this feedback isn't necessarily um, – isn't necessarily putting a suggestion box on the wall, but it's creating an, an environment for them to communicate openly with their leaders or their other mentors. So communication is number one. A development and growth. This team, this type of generation, doesn't go into three weeks of training walking out feeling completely prepared to interface with, with, a, uh, with a customer. Uh, a, a lot of times... It, we're having to help them become a little bit more proficient in the delivery of content, proficient in understanding the content and and how to verbalize that really succinctly to a customer. Uh, Feedback and coaching is the third one. Uh, The corporation, I mentioned a few moments ago, from a general communication perspective, they'll talk about strategy, they'll talk about where we're going as a corporation, really pushing vision. They'll give great feedback in that regard, but when it comes to feedback and coaching, where you're going from a corporate initiative all the way to the agent level, this particular group excels very well when you give them data, when you give them real-life experiences of how what you did just now had a very positive outcome for the call or the company or the customer as opposed to you know what, we, we're looking at this, this scoring sheet that we did two weeks ago. Um, this particular demographic really thrives on real-time feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fourth one is work-life balance. Since such a large percentage of them are 22, uh, average age 22, this particular 
demographic really thrives on an environment that will offer them flexibility in their scheduling. I know that's mm-hmm. somewhat counterintuitive to what we what we realize in the context center when we've got scheduled adherence, we've got to make sure everyone's where they need to be. But with this particular generation, you have the opportunity of exploring what our workforce management systems would tell us we need to do, which is let's break up the workforce and schedule part-time opportunities. So you may have a student that's out there in the morning or the afternoon. They may be available during a 12-hour period, uh, and they may work four hours in the morning, four hours in the, in the early evening while they're at school midday. Uh, so they really thrive in an environment that gives them the ability to have, whether it be school or extracurricular activities, and they get out of a traditional eight-hour shift. Mm. The, com- the companies no. that have really – go ahead, Bruce. No, I was going to say, you know, there's some real um, pointers here for call center managers, I think. If we go back to what you are talking about with regard to feedback and coaching – and the fact that uh, the feedback and coaching presumably links very closely with the whole sense of mentorship that they appreciate. Is that correct? Yep. You know, they're accustomed to okay. seeing they're, – they're very accustomed to seeing group staff. You know, here's our overarching service level. Here's our one-call resolution. Here's our agent utilization. But in the feedback coaching environment, they love to have scores kept all the way down to their level. So their proficiency at an individual state, their sales performance, their quality performance, their how are they doing with customer surveys or feedback. There's there's been some technologies that you've even been involved in in the past that have been found, been found to be very beneficial for this particular generation because you can give them real-time data. Mm, okay, I'm sure you're referring there to customer satisfaction, that we've had a lot of experience, customer satisfaction feedback. And so in, in terms of how this all comes together, from the point of view of the managers who are listening to this program right now, I think that it could change some people's style and that uh, they want to give feedback and coaching in as much of a mentorship role as possible. I've seen a lot of people give feedback in more of a supervisor uh, role, but rather if you're more of a mentor, it has a very different feeling to it because you're trying to be the uh, what I've called agent advocate, right? In other words, you are trying to mentor that person and make them as, as best as they can be, and that that will really feed their psychic work life positively uh, better than uh, handling it a different way that might work better with a silent generation person or a boomer. Is, is that true? That is very true. In fact, the, the, a lot of the organizations we work with, it's the subtlety between counseling and coaching. Because the supervisor mm-hmm. at times feels that they need to counsel their people to become better. And the subtlety is from a, from a relationship developmental perspective and the developmentorship level of, of engagement is either, A, the supervisor recognizing that they can become a coach rather than a counselor, and they can become a mentor instead of the individual that's out there um, holding them to a particular bar. Mm-hmm. Now, in, mm-hmm. some, in, some, in some environments, we find that the best mentors, quite frankly, aren't the supervisors. They're actually the peer group where 
when organizations redefine these systems and the process within their world, uh, they find that some of the strongest mentors, quite frankly, aren't even soups. They're just stellar mm. agents that you can take what they do great and create an, a methodology to convey what they do great out to their peers across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think this is a very interesting area. It's one that we explored also with Professor Teresa Mabile of Harvard Business School at a, in a previous uh, call talk show, and, and she was talking about the importance of the inner work life of uh, people in any industry, including our own. And uh, it seems to me that what you're saying fits in very well with that and probably informs it because you know, what you're saying is that by you know having this coaching uh, approach, having this mentorship approach, and maybe each of us as call center managers could look at you know how do we do these interactions? I mean, every interaction is an opportunity. And so when we walk into the call center, when we talk to our, the supervisors, when we talk to agents, uh, how do they look at us and how are we trying to connect with them? And if we change just a little bit or maybe a lot, <laughs> depending on uh, you know where we sit now in our, our management styles, particularly for the Gen Y folks, we can probably, A, uh, increase their inner work-life satisfaction and, B, get better performance from them by doing it that way. Uh-huh. Um, I think that, that that's very exciting, very exciting. And, and the other thing that you were talking about, um, uh, Kevin, and then I think we're going to get to some questions that Brian has here, uh, but you were talking about the work-life balance uh, aspects, and the fact is that more and more call centers have more and more sophisticated workforce management capabilities, and therefore, uh, as long as they have the mindset and the uh, desire to try to maybe experiment a little bit with, um, uh, you know, more flexible work hours, they could uh, do some interesting things and perhaps get uh, better, longer uh, loyalty, you know, longer work uh, tenures, as well as more satisfied workers if they uh-huh. uh, if they use that creatively. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, with this particular generation. Uh, so work-life balance was the fourth of five pillars, and the, the last pillar was work at home. So we find that as we engage with contact centers, that work at home is the vehicle by which you can really deploy a work-life balance environment. Uh, because mm-hmm. a, a lot of times contact centers go to their workforce management systems, and the management system would say, well, you need 100 people on the phones at 8 a.m., and you need 100 and 40 people on the phones at 12 p.m., you know, just literally four hours later. There's mm-hmm. this, there's a, a, the workforce management system would say you need to flex up, but the way we're scheduling today really is eight-hour shifts. And this particular mm-hmm. generation, quite frankly, they like what, what the workforce management system is saying. You need people here, then you don't need them, and then you need them there. And the previous generations would say, well, I want to come to work and work eight hours, where this particular generation is saying, I'll either come to work and split shifts or something like that, or if you'll bring the job to me, I'll be so flexible that I'll, I'll, I'll be there right when the workforce management system says I need to be there. Two hours mm-hmm. in the morning, two hours midday, four hours in the afternoon. So that mm-hmm. work-life balance is typically enabled through that work-at-home initiative. Okay. 
Okay. So really, uh, with this generation, uh, with all of its challenges, uh, there's a lot of opportunities to actually improve uh, the performance of the call center and improve ourselves as managers. Absolutely. Now, you had mentioned yeah. earlier, Bruce, that uh, it, it may be dramatic. And quite frankly, the paradigm shift is dramatic when you're, when you're saying, how do we sort of take a step back and readdress mm-hmm. this, our relationship with this particular generation? It's a dramatic paradigm, but it's not a dramatic shift for the company, quite frankly, because it's about three degrees shift from what you're doing today to what you need to do as a generation. Most of what you have in place uh, will support you with that. You, you don't, as I mentioned earlier, you don't need to go out and buy the next million-dollar system in order to make it happen. Uh, you literally have the ability of making three-degree three shift in the way you do it, a major paradigm shift, and find a much better place for yourself as a leader and then your teams that, you, that you're leading and mentoring. Mm. Okay, well, that's reassuring that it's not going to cost an arm and a leg <laughs> to do it. And uh, just one other thought that I had and that um, uh, comes to mind with regard to communicating with uh, this generation and with others in the call center, you know, I've noted uh, that uh, sometimes you have to do multiple translations or simultaneous translations, I call them, in communications from the higher-ups to the people in your call center. So uh, let's say you get a corporate directive and it's up to you to uh, communicate that to your people, you have to write something down and then reread it three or four times with different hats on uh, if you have a multi-generational center. So reread that with your silent generation hat on and say, okay, am I hitting the points that you know all of the experts say you have to for a silent generation person? Uh, then reread it from a boomer point of view, and you might add a sentence that uh, will, you know, give the hook for the boomer generation. Another one for the uh, Generation X and another one for Generation Y. So that uh, you actually craft a a statement, a communication, uh, which has something for everyone and uh, keeps in mind that you do have to do some simultaneous translation of these directives if you want them to be really understood the right way for your people. Well, what you're saying is true, but the ni- the nice thing is the Gen Y, as opposed to any other generation within the center, typically needs the most amount of detail. So mm-hmm. while what you're suggesting is, is accurate in the fact that you could craft it differently, the nice thing is this particular generation is saying, give me all of it, and the rest mm-hmm. of the generations may or may not get into the detail. While the information is right. there, they may not value the full disclosure as this particular generation does. Gotcha. Okay, good, good, good. So you need to, there might be several sentences that are added to the communication as a result of having your Gen uh, Gen Y hat on. Okay, mm-hmm. well, Brian, uh, why don't we move over to some questions from uh, from the audience at this point? Sounds great. Uh, I've got a couple questions coming in from email, and uh, I I know you mentioned or talked towards this just a little bit ago, Kevin, but uh, I wanted to get this in and make sure Eileen gets her question answered directly. She asked, uh, do you think that we'll need to spend a lot of money or resources in addressing of working with Generation Y? Uh, Can you just uh, embellish on that just a little bit more, please? Uh, 
the short answer is no. Uh, again, most of what you need is in place. It's a matter of getting uh, the utilization of your systems. Uh, there's a term in the software world called user adoption. And the best way that I can explain that is many of us use Microsoft Excel. And for me, I know about 11 shortcuts. But my CFO knows about 111. I haven't adopted all of the capabilities in Excel because I don't, I, I, my world has really been centered around 11. But the person that really understands that tool and uses it every single day, there is a wealth of efficiency found within that tool for a major user. Most of the tools that we've acquired in the industry that have been developed over the past 20 years, much more so in the past five years with the advent of cloud-based apps and the ease at which you can deploy them, the tools are there, whether it's a premise-based or, or a cloud-based application. It's just a matter of are you actually using, going beyond the, the 11 shortcuts that I use in Excel or the 11 staples that you use out of your reporting system to actually uh, uh, deliver the, the kind of result. And it, case in point, <clears throat> work with a client at a 300-seat call center, and they changed their CRM system. They shipped out, they, they updated it, and they went live, and this particular group really struggled. Uh, this particular call center struggled because when they launched it, it had a series of mistakes in that launch. And the systems provided them a way to uh, get from a reporting perspective to engage the workforce and rally around this particular challenge. So by utilizing uh, a series of reports and tools within that environment, you'll see this, this in, a, in the white paper itself, uh, the organization not only got through the challenge that they were facing, but when they got through the challenge, uh, they did it with reduced turnover. So if there was an issue, it caused the organization to have to leverage the reporting systems within their world, and the, the, the group came. So mm. at, at the end of the day, the answer is I don't think you're going to have to spend a lot of money. You may need to take a step back to say, what 11 things do I use within my tools, and what additional capabilities does it have that I haven't used from the day that I bought it? User adoption. Have you adopted the full capability of your tools, and can you use it to benefit your relationship with your Gen Y? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Great answer. I think we've got time for uh, one more question. We'll go a little bit over, and uh, but this is a great, uh, great conversation. So, uh, Brian, do you have another question? Yeah, uh, we'll keep it a little technical. Then this one comes from Bobby, uh, asking: When you were talking about people challenges, you mentioned viral detractors and defections. Uh, what does that mean? Can you expand a little bit on that, please? This particular generation, as they have learned to communicate through devices and multiple channels. When they leave the job, they typically don't leave quietly if, if there's an issue. So when they leave, they may text or tweet or chat to their peer group, hey, I've decided to leave, I'm taking this job over there, making 50 cents more an hour, or, or I have a challenge with my supervisor, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. And when they leave, there is a, there's a potential of them 
creating uh, distractions first and foremost, and then they may have some viral defect, defectors to where they, when they leave, they don't leave on their own. They they take people with them. Bring the team out. Okay. Wow. Okay, a lot to think about here, and a lot of good uh, uh, good uh, talking points and uh, issues, actually points for managers to take into consideration here. So, Brian, uh, uh, Kevin, I'd like to thank you very much for being on Call Talk today. And uh, with that, uh, hand things over to Brian to wrap things up. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. We appreciate your time today. And uh, Bruce, thanks for all the good conversation and insightful discussion that you guys brought to the show today. So uh, very interesting how we uh, how we going to manage the Generation Y, and especially in the multi generational call centers. There's even a bigger challenge. So uh, if you have more questions, uh, feel free to email me, Brian at BenchmarkPortal.com, and I'll get those questions over to Kevin and back to you. So. At this point, I want to thank everyone for joining us at Call Talk and remind you that we have another Call Talk coming up next month, and it's going to be November 28, uh, 2013, uh, actually 2012, and where we'll talk uh, from live at Call Center Campus in Las Vegas and get some best practices from around the country. Now, I also want to remind you to sign up for a free reality check benchmark report and see how your call center compares to others in the industry. You can do that at BenchmarkPortal.com. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have yourself a great day.